This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to iFanboy's Talksplode with Declan Chalvey and Kevin Mellon. Do you know that it's all right? Well,
Hey, this is Josh from iFanboy.com, and today we have a very special talk explode for you. Much like the episode that we did recently with Blair Butler and Charles Soule about making comics and writing them, today we are going to be talking to artists Declan Shalvey and Kevin Mellon about drawing comics and the beginning of that career and, and how to continue your career and all sorts of stuff in between, even a little bit of technical stuff that uh, maybe a lot of people who read comics don't quite understand about the process, but it's very enlightening, there's a lot of stuff going on, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. I am here with, with a couple of fine artists. I'm here with uh, Declan Shalvey. Uh, hello. And Kevin Mellon. Hey, what's up? We are here to talk about, in a similar vein to the uh, podcast about making comics that I did with Blair Butler and Charles Soule, uh, where we talked about sort of the, the early stages and breaking in and of writing comics. Uh, I, I believe, Declan, it was your idea to, or am I, have I got that right? I can't remember. I think I just said I liked I liked the interview and yeah. um, Kevin grabbed that and you came to me and I was like, all right, let's do that. So we're going to talk about the artistic side of things. Uh, now you guys have both been working around in comics for for quite a while, but uh, not not entirely hard bitten veterans, not not huge superstars, but yet I'll put that that part out there. Um, <laughs> Ever I'll put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I'll put, I'll put uh, working hard to not ever get there. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, don't don't be hard bitten. I guess uh, always the best way of these kind of things for me is to start by uh, going into a bit of uh, origin stories. Now, now, who, what year did you did you each decide you want to go ahead and make comics as a career? That's how I'm going to know who goes first. Declan, when, when, when did you decide I'm going to go do comics? How long have you been working at this? Well, well, first of all, I'd like to say my hello again because Kevin went yo and made me <laughs> really, like I was like, oh, hello, like as Irish as it could be. And just Kevin just went yo. Listening. <laughs> he was, he's just being your American equivalent. That's all. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, um, I think I was I, I seriously decided to make a go at comics. I think it was um, 2003. I had finished art. I have a, I have a fine art degree. Um, college in in, uh, in Limerick back home or here in Ireland and um, I was work I was just working construction uh, just to try pay off my uh, my stepdad because I owed a little bit of money um, it's not the same as America it was just a little bit of money we don't have huge debts like he and um, I, I realized I hated it uh, I didn't want to do it um, I did not want to do this for the rest of my life and I always wanted to do comics um, I, I went to art college in a kind of a vain effort to work towards comics but um, you kind of get distracted by, you know, um, you know, socializing and, and, and just living your life. So I decided, um, uh, I think I was, I was digging a hole at the time. I said, this is not what I want to do. If I really want to draw comics, I've got to seriously have a, make a go at it. So um, I think I looked online and the Internet was kind of a new thing at the time. Um, uh, I found there was conventions in England. So I started to kind of, which was a big deal for me at the time because I never really traveled. Um, I'd get a plane to, to England and there was the Bristol convention on over there every year. And I kind of, I would show my work and kind of get a bit of a critique. And um, it was it was the only avenue in which I was seeing comics or, you know, seeing other professionals or professionals seeing my work. But um, <clears throat> I one year I met a writer called Andy Winter. He was, um, I'm, I'm kind of dovetailing into how I kind of got into, is that okay? That's fine. Um I met, a, I met a writer called Andy Winter who was uh, publishing his own stories. He was a writer um, and he would pay art, he, he would, sorry, he would get artists to draw his stories and he would publish the stories. That was kind of the deal. So that gave me an opportunity to get published work, which was the most important thing um, because you can't just keep showing portfolios all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so I drew a 30 page story um, 
it was really, really tough. It was really, really hard, but I did it, and I gave it to him, and he published it, and it ended up winning like a, an Eagle Award, which is kind of like the UK version of the yeah. Eisner's, that kind of thing. Um, oh, really uh, yeah, well, it was it was for like best British black and white comic. Um, you know, there's all these different like categories, but uh, but that was that was a huge deal for my very first uh, comic to get a kind of small little um, uh, nook of exposure. You know, was 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 really nice, and uh, uh, it went on from there. I can elaborate more if you want, but yeah, we'll get we'll. We'll get to that's 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 a good way to go, Kevin. Kevin, what's your story? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love music. Um, I I had a couple. I had a couple of uh, starts and stops. I started, you know, drawing. And I actually started making pages, and the idea that I was going to be a comic artist from the time I was like ten or so, like that. So I was doing like my own like teenage mutant comics, and I did a couple hundred pages of stuff like during high school, and then uh, I got into bands and stuff, and did that for a while, and thought I was going to do music for a long time, and. Uh, Band broke up, and then I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'll go to the Cuber School because I didn't want to go to a real college, but I didn't want to, like, I'd been out in the work field, and I was like, this sucks. Like, I want to go to something else because working in warehouses was awful. Um, so I went to the Cuber School, and then proceeded to for the next three years, uh, completely and utterly burn myself out on doing comics. So by the time I graduated, I was like, "Fuck this, I don't want to do this anymore." <laughs> and then, uh, so then spent four years doing nothing, um, got over being a burnout, more importantly, got over myself and my, you know, ridiculousness about that. And, uh, and also I had met Dennis Hopeless, and, you know, he and I started talking and, uh, bashing ideas around and finally hit on, uh, Gearhead, and, uh, we did that, and that came out in 2000, I did, I heard in 2006, it came out in 2007, and I, pretty much from then, but from then on, I've been like, you know, this is, I'm gonna make this work, so, uh, I realized that's a, much more condensed than Declan's, but, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, Declan, you said you went to basically, you know, a fine art school and, and – uh... Well, there was no um, – like where I'm from was it, – it was a, it's, it's, a, it's a town in Ireland and uh, like the, the only art class was like after school two days a week where you had to pay extra money. So – and uh, – um, I don't know what the equivalent is in America, but basically when you're in the middle of your, your um, secondary education, you take something called a junior cert. And uh, I was the only the only student doing the junior cert in my, in my entire school. So I was very, it was very isolated kind of existence drawing when I was a, when I was a kid. So I asked my art teacher, uh, what, what would I do? And he said, go, go to art college. Mm-hmm. That would, he didn't know. He didn't know how you, you know, I wanted to do comics. All my portfolio was like um, X-Men covers and Spider-Man covers. And he didn't know, so he said, "Go to art college." Which, in, in you know, I, I used to kind of really um, regret for a long time. I used to think, "Well, if I if I just got on the internet, this internet machine, and uh, and uh, got myself out there and kept drawing, I surely I would be doing better than I am right now." But but really, going to art college really helped me get outside of comics a bit and get a, um, a fresh perspective. And I I found in the last couple of years what I learned in college finally kind of like kicked in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was it was it was very difficult to try. Like I, there was just no way of doing it. Like there was nobody in Ireland, other than John McRae, say, who was a, a, a Irish artist, or Will Simpson. But they're they're a previous generation. The way they got in would be, you know, I just didn't know how I was going to do it. Um, so our college was the only avenue for a long time. And um, well, it was you can't break in like. Pardon. I was just say you can't break in like those guys did anymore. I mean, you, I mean, even even as even as little as like five ten years ago, you can't break in that way anymore. Like it's crazy. That's, that's true. Well, I mean, their 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 deal was probably, I assume, going through you know 2000 AD or, or something yeah. similar like that. Um, yeah. And yeah. Well, and, yeah. And that's, probably, 
Yeah, and those publishers that were publishing like Marvel reprints and DC reprints and stuff like that were, they, I mean, they were essentially starving for content. They're not really starving for content anymore. They're starving for, uh, well, not, we still don't hear anything. They're, they're starving for like readers and jobs. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff in the UK was um, any of the Marvel stuff was generally reprints of American material. There, there was there's like one kid strip that was distributed in the in Ireland and the UK, but the rest of it is all essentially reprints. Uh, there was 2008, but I didn't I didn't really I like one of the only like uh, um, UK Irish centric guys uh, who who never really read 2008 as a kid. Um, Everyone else I know from like my generation was big in 2000 AD, but like it totally went over my head. So I know all these 2000 AD guys, like, and I, I'm, I know it. I, I'm not as cool as them. I was never as cool as them. <laughs> it's interesting though that it's, I mean that you just kind of bypassed it, but yet I think you have you still. I mean, totally. And totally mean it's in a good way. You still ended up with a very uh, that that stuff's there. That influence is there. You know. Um, yeah, I, I really can't be. I, I would think it's more like our college influence than it is um, British artists. I would imagine because I because I was reading a lot of American stuff. Like it was guys like uh, Alan Davis and Jim Lee and Andy Cooper. That's what I was looking at when I was a kid. It's really yeah. weird. To, it's really weird to look at how I draw now. Like if I was a kid looking at my stuff, I'd probably hate it. <laughs> well, the thing I wanted to ask you is that you said that the first thing you did was a. a I mean, you've done sample pages and things like that, but the first thing that you'd drawn was a 30-page story you said it was really hard i'm wondering if you'd never had any i don't want to say training but but you never had any real schooling in the storytelling aspect of it i mean was that the thing that was challenging about it and did you find you had to teach yourself that as you were going actually no because um one thing again you know when, when it's the great thing about portfolio reviews any portfolio review i had i mean there was always things to criticize like things i was doing in the drawing how i was using reference uh, there was always uh, issues with regarding that, but everyone always said that my storytelling was was really good, and I I found it very um, um, very encouraging to find that there was something I wasn't just naturally good at, um, that there was something that I didn't have to work on. It was just something that came to me, and I remember in in our college a lot of my tutors would say that all the pieces I did had a had a narrative to them, that there was some kind of story to them. So um, I'm just lucky that. It just it just seems my brain seems to process stories well, you know. Clearly, I think about I think about it more. I, I you know now I I'll, I'll uh, deconstruct it and put it back together and realize I should have just done it the first time, you know, the way I did the first time. But um, I, I'm 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 thankful that it just seems to kind of pop into my brain in a in a in a good way. Cool. Now, Kevin. Yeah, I was going to say, Kevin. At the same time, you you know you went to school for you went to to Cubert, and I'm curious what the difference is for you in terms of like what were the kind of things that they. <laughs> that they drilled into you, maybe stuff that you weren't even expecting to, to have to learn about. Um, yeah, real quick, I just want to say it's nice to, nice to hear Declan talk about, like, you know, the, the storytelling stuff, because, like, even before Keyword, like, I, that's something I came up with, like, or not came up with, but grew up with and had from, you know, it's like, regardless of drawing ability, like, my storytelling has always been, like, more of a strong suit, and that's what I got into comics for, that's what I love, is the, you know, the telling stories and stuff. Um, and yet the, the drawing for me was, until recently, it was more secondary until I realized I had to get better. But the, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, the Cuba school was almost kind of a, um, I, it's, I love the school and I totally recommend people going there if, that's, you know, if, they wanna, if they're serious about wanting to make comics and they want to get better at it a lot faster. It was one of those things where I realized that I could spend five years working in warehouses and then drawing at night and get a, to a certain level. Or I could go to that school and, you know, basically spend like the next three, it's a three-year program, spend three years just wood shedding like, like 
fucking crazy and get, you know, to where I needed to be a lot faster, you know, just by doing it all the time. Um, and so that was my thinking behind that. Um, and yeah, and I, the thing that I didn't expect to, the thing that I didn't expect to get out of the school that I ended up realizing in hindsight was I developed a work ethic where you sit down and this plagues me to this day because sitting down and doing it is the hardest, for me, the hardest part of the job a lot of times. But having to sit there and do, you have 10 classes and essentially 10 assignments, not all of them do all at the same time, but you know, you've generally got 10 different jobs going on, learning how to balance that. And more importantly for me, learning, figuring out how to do things that you can't stand the subject matter or can't stand the idea behind, but you have to get it done, you know? Um, and so that was, uh, you asked about the unexpected thing. That was the unexpected part was learning how to do that. Um, so, yeah. What is the what is the thing that that uh, you know even today you guys are there are there still uh, bits of your your work that you know like that you have a hard time with or that like you want to avoid you know doing certain kinds of things or the you know the sort of the stumbling blocks that you're still uh, experiencing. Um, well, I, I think a lot of the times it's uh, the, the trouble isn't really um, fixing your mistakes; it's noticing them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I see, you see a lot of times, uh, it, you know, I mean, you, I look at my own stuff and I can see it, you know, from like a few years ago. But I think um, it's, it's what Kevin was mentioning, like, you know, all the hours you sit down drawing. It's weird. I think that um, you you will naturally, you know, everyone always says you get naturally better at something the more you do it, you know, like you know, practice makes perfect, which is true. But you'll find that uh, I think this is just my opinion that there's a lot of times that really actually doesn't happen. Um I think that it's very easy for for somebody to just kind of rely on their automatic um, skills. Like if you're used to drawing a face, you'll just draw a face, and then you yeah. need to draw a face, you'll draw it again, and you're not really thinking about what you're, like you know. I, I I catch myself doing it at times as well. Um, you just rely on like your your memory, your brain just kind of regurgitates it, and uh, it doesn't make it better. And you can be, you can do the same drawing ten times over and over again, but it doesn't get any better unless you're actually thinking about what you're doing. And yeah. I think that's when I, I noticed I started to get better was when I wasn't just kind of, you know, learning how to draw better. I was thinking more. And when you think about what you're doing, or the lines that you're putting down, they become more informed, and you're not just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And um, I, I, I never really hear anybody give that advice to like think about what you're doing because I think yeah. uh, a lot of people don't. I, I, I don't know how a lot of guys are. I, I, that's yeah, that's something that like uh, something that I still keep from from then, and something that I've always kept is the the, the layouts and the storytelling. That's it, it, that's where it's at. That's where all my decisions that are going to matter. That's where they matter the most, and that's where I spend the most time, like with, inside my head. You know, even yeah. if I don't draw anything, I can sit there and stare at a script with a blank page and, and maybe not even doodle anything, but I'm just sitting there staring at it and it's like I'm in my mind, I'm forming these things and I'm moving, you know, it's like I'm seeing the shots play out and I'm moving the camera around in my head and I'm making these choices and I'm balancing these things and it's like, uh, you know, just as an easy example, something like heart, like I, I, something I tell people is that there are four narratives in heart. So I have to balance, you know, uh, uh, captions, spoken dialogue, visual pictures, and then there are statistics all four competing for, you know, and, and that's something that's, that's the exciting part about me about making comics. And the thing that's always excited me is the multiple levels that things can function on. So um, that, and like Declan said, you know, it's like the, the thought about that stuff is even if it doesn't, 
it can fail horribly. I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'll be the first to sit there and say it. Just because I've thought about all this stuff doesn't mean I've executed it well. <laughs> it just if, means that if, that, if you, you fail, that that might be a good thing because it could lead you to a yeah, successful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, and then that's the thing is I don't I don't learn by doing something well. Doing something well just means that yeah I can pull that out of my ass when I need to later on. It's you know it is the mistakes. It is seeing like like you know I'm working on hard issue three right now and issue one just came out and I'm looking at that I'm going oh holy fuck okay that was just bad let's not do that again you know <laughs> like and it's fine it's it's fine I'm just saying like just from a growth standpoint that you know in that short amount of time I feel like you know there are things that I'm like okay you know um, this uh, needs to yeah I hope I'm not getting sidetracked here, but it just reminded me of something. Um, uh, I'm going to say something controversial. Um, I picked up um, uh, Essential Collection of Moon Knight, the Bill Sienkiewicz uh, Moon, um, uh, Moon Knight stuff, because I heard how wonderful it was or how brilliant it was. And I was looking through it, and I thought it was terrible. I thought it was abs like it was just horrible, <laughs> horrible is this, drawing. Is here. this recently or or? You no, know, this is the old classic stuff that everybody always says is brilliant. No, I mean, when did you pick it up? Oh, I picked it up. This would be uh, probably three years ago. When I okay, picked it up. good. Um, now I picked up. I thought it was terrible. I was like, "God, what the hell is everyone talking about? This is this is bad." I, I just I, I I thought it was really really bad. But as I went through it, I realized like because because he was kind of like that Neil Adams kind of look. He was he was he was originally, and then you start seeing him kind of experiment and like make horrible mistakes, and you're like, "Oh, this is terrible." But but then you'd see that he he'd do it again, but he's refined it, and then he's he's he gets better, and then he tries something else, and it doesn't completely doesn't work. But then it did work, and then. It's really interesting to watch because he's just constantly refining his process, and then during the course of his run, it it just gets spectacular, you know. But it's yeah. like he, I prefer look at a at an interesting drawing than a boring one, and I, I was just it was just so exciting to see how he was refining and making mistakes and getting better and making decisions, and it's 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 like guys I like now. It's I like. I like I like artists where you can kind of see they're making decisions, you know. Going back to what I was talking, talking about thinking, but um, I just thought it was genuinely interesting to to kind of see him get to the point where he is who he is now, you know. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not slamming Bill Sankevich on it. What I mean is he went from being like a clone to he he put his mistakes on the page and then totally just won you over, you know. Um, yeah, because you look at Moon Knight and then you look at New Mutants, the Demon Bear Saga, and you're like, yeah. oh fuck, this dude figured it out. Yeah. But, then, but then you pick up another comic, and it's, it's the same kind of stale, um, yeah. you know, very slick, very, um, very, uh, you know, full of embellishing and stuff. And it's it's just, it's nowhere near as interesting, you know. Um, uh, it, it, that's somebody who has learned um, uh, their technical process so well, they can just refine, 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 refine. And, you know... Anyone can kind of do that if they just draw long enough. I I, I feel. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry if I if I told, totally no, no, went off. This is how it's supposed to work. It's fine. Uh, I'm curious. Actually, one of the things I'm always thinking whenever I'm writing something is is uh, or even reading comics is I I would be really curious to see from the standpoint of somebody who's who's drawing comics and uh, and when I say somebody's drawing comics, I uh, to me that means a whole lot of things. You know, for a long time, for a lot of people, it probably is just. Oh, I'm drawing a picture of a person, but I know that there's a lot of other things going on there, and I'm always curious what it must be like for you guys to look at comic book pages and what it is you're taking out of it, but you know that's different than what I am or something like that. And I'm curious, like you know, if you're looking at pages now as opposed to say three years ago or, or five years ago, like is it a completely different experience? Do you find your taste change? Are you talking about our own or other people's? Uh, I, I guess other people's just looking at comics in general, the things that you see as opposed to what, say, the layperson would see. 
Well, I, I, the thing that comes to mind to me is that, like, while my fundamental tastes never change as far as clarity of storytelling and stuff like that, my surface tastes have changed wildly. So, like, I'm, you know, with, and you guys, you know, I see, I see how I'm working now. I'm not working in a clean style, which I was for a while. <laughs> So like now, and I'm not seeking out that kind of work, but I'm paying more. I'm back to paying more attention to it because when I was a kid, I liked rougher, like uh, you know, like Bisset and um, Beach and Zilli and stuff like that. It was a little bit more, you know, rougher work than you know and all that stuff. And then as I got older, I got into like Shrey and all that stuff, which is ultra clean, ultra. And it's and it became like it was more like I was idolizing these things that were unattainable for me artistically. Like I can't work that way. And so now I'm back to like seeking out uh, things that are like what Declan was talking about, things that they may be failures, but they, as long as they're interesting to look at, you know, like think I, I don't have to, as long as the, like a lot of times I'm like, well, as long as the storytelling is remotely clear and it isn't, it's, you know, this thing, while it may fail on some level, it's, it's interesting from, it engages some part of me that I'm either actively trying to figure out artistically or am just entertained by at this moment, you know. I think I didn't answer your question, but no, I, think... <laughs> I, I kind of more, uh, I kind of more ruthlessly uh, catch awkward drawing. Um, uh, oh arms, yeah, yeah, arms that are too long, um, uh, poses that are really awkward. Um, something uh, I, I find a lot. I, I think um, uh, a lot, of, a lot of people who are inking their own stuff as well use like uh, technical pens, mm -hmm. and uh, that that's always results in the worst inking. Um, it's kind of more like awkward stuff because I think what I've managed. Well, you know, when I when I got a bit more mature in my drawing, I was able to spot more awkward drawing in my stuff, and um, uh, like thankfully, uh, my girlfriend's an artist as well, so she uh, she's it's another filter I have to catch awkward drawing because it generally happens when you're too close to it because when you're when you're drawing all day every day, it's, you're just not going to catch everything. Mm -hmm. Something's yeah, going to go slightly off. So I, yeah, I try to train myself to catch awkward drawing. So now whenever I look at other people's stuff, I I I, I see it. I see it like. Well, not all the time, but in a lot of stuff. There's there's some guys I never see it, and uh, it's amazing. But there's there's other guys who you're like, how did he not see that? You know, um, yeah. it's kind of I, I I don't I want to make sure that doesn't happen to me. But um, uh, I I'm terrible. Like I I I tear some stuff apart in in my brain. You know, in a way to kind of figure out what it might be to figure out what they're doing, or it might be to just uh, criticize. Uh, it, it depends. Uh, it depends if if I'm looking at something because I want to understand it, or I'm looking at something because I don't like it. Yeah, and that's something that I do. I, I'm kind of trying to bring myself to not do it as much because it really makes me cynical and, and unable to enjoy a lot of things. Is the is because like like I used to just basically dissect people's styles and base and, and reverse engineer what they were doing. Either sometimes actually on paper, like reverse engineer what they were doing, like to figure out their structure and how they arrived at their finish. Um, or other times, just basically devour everything I could of what that person was doing had made. So that I could, you know, track their style changes and track where they were learning, track where they were, you know, you, you not de learning. deconstruct what you want because you want to, what you like because you want to you want to understand how to replicate it. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing that I found is that the more I de it's the same thing. It's the same reason, like same thing with like books and movies and stuff, and like my kind of stance on that stuff is the more I deconstructed it, the less I enjoyed um, being part of it. Mm. So um, while I do still do that, I have to really be careful because it can make me really hate a lot of the stuff that's out. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I sound like, like asshole, but like you know, I, 
I wish I had your foresight, Kevin, because I, I just, I, I just, uh, I, maybe I just get some kind of twisted pleasure out of, out of doing it. But um, I, I don't know. Like you hear a lot of comic artists who uh, who don't read comics, and uh, that that kind of drives me mad because I, I need to know what's what's out there because there's always going to be somebody doing something slightly more. Uh, well, maybe very a lot more interesting than you, and uh, and there's some artists out there doing great work, and I don't want to f- be behind, you know. I, I don't want to disappear in a cave for two years drawing, say Thunderbolts, and then uh, then I come back and I find there's this guy who's doing amazing work that could have pushed me to do better, you know. That's yeah, that's actually a really valid point because I I, I understood for a while I understood how dudes didn't read comics, but then the last year I've been like. What the fuck have I been doing by not reading any of this shit? Because all I'm doing is just shortchanging my um, my language. Yeah. Because it's like I look at it the same way I look at music. Like, yeah, I came up in the '90s with grunge and shit like that, but I don't sit here twenty, you know, every time, every waking hour, fucking rocking Pearl Jam ten, going fuck 1992 was awesome. I listen to it and I go, yeah, being 13 was pretty cool, but you know what? Here's a fucking metal band that I've never heard of before that I'm gonna buy their their I'm gonna buy their new album and all that. And I kind of look at I'm trying to look at comics the same way now, where it's like, you know, there's a tendency to get uh, there's a tendency to admire and there's a tendency to be jealous. So I'm trying to do more admiring and do spend less time being jealous. Uh, yeah, I, I I I'll admit I, I'm quite petty times. I do just get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, man. It's tough. Oh, it is because, like you know, I you know, I, I'm uh, I, I have to keep kicking myself sometimes because I'm doing so well. Um, uh, there's, I'm doing things that I, I would only dream of doing before, but um, I, that that petty part of me sometimes just has to look at what somebody else is doing, and uh, yeah, I'd be yeah. jealous, even though it makes no sense at all. But um, yeah, I don't, yeah. like if if you were the only artist you were looking at, <laughs> of course you're fantastic because you're not looking at anything else. You know? <laughs> I need to see somebody else's work. <clears throat> like crap for a while then try do better yeah, ultimately yeah. fail but at least what i did was i tried to up my game i may i may never be as good as jp leon uh, i i won't be but when i see something he does and it makes me feel like crap it makes me try harder and at least what i did recently was better than what i had did last because i was trying harder you know yeah, so this kind of like this thing of like having to suffer in order to do, to be better yeah, and that's one thing I got from a very young age that I just had to constantly remind myself of because it's like I grew up uh, reading a lot of indie comics and stuff like that. And back back when I was really, uh, you know, it's like 13, 14, and I was I just gotten into service and Sim was doing those letters from the president where he was basically essentially telling you how to make your own comics. And one thing that he kept harping on that I've seen in various forms ever since, and I'm sure he wasn't the first to say this, he was just the first for me personally to hear it, was that you do the page, and then the next day you do the next page. You don't redraw the page you did the day before, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, you, you move on. You know, it's like, and like, so things where it's like, you know, there's days where I'm like, fuck, I can't draw hands. How the fuck do I ever, how, how do I wake up in the morning not being able to draw hands? And I'm like, fuck it, this is just how they look today. Tomorrow I'll draw, I'll draw them better, you know? <laughs> like, and then, Sorry, go on. I just say that helps with a lot because it's one of those things where it's like, it keeps it, it it keeps the analytical part from making yourself just depressed, mm. you know. Because where you look at it is like that's the only part of the job that I would even remotely equate to like a boring nine to five. Is that when you're at a nine to five, you're like, fuck it, this day is shot. Uh, tomorrow will be tomorrow. You know, I got to come in tomorrow, so tomorrow's going to be better. And that's kind of where uh, where my mentality of that kind of comes in. Where it's like, you know what, this is just how I'm drawing today. This is just my ability today. Tomorrow, and I'll, really, I'll figure out what was wrong, and I'll fix it. Better, you know, and I'll do it better. You know, like I don't 
I'm uh, I'm curious. Now, as a writer, it's very easy for me to see story everywhere. Uh, you know, I can read novels, I can watch TV, I can watch movies, I can, you know, I, there's there's story everywhere. But but as a as an artist, Is there a story in this podcast. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but as and the, the zombies haven't even shown up yet. Uh. But as a but as a comic book artist, which is such a specific thing, there's there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing that's exactly like it. I mean, what can what can you take in as influences outside of, uh, you know, outside of other comic book work? Do you do you look at film or do you look at do you look at other things? Go ahead. Um, I that's a good question. I generally I look at a lot of uh, comic book art, but I look at comic book art that interests me. I don't. Um, I try not to look at stuff that I find, you know, like we we're saying, interesting. Um, I find I don't like because I went to art college. I think I over I overdosed on a lot of um, a lot of the masters and a lot of uh, contemporary art. Um, I grew to hate a lot of contemporary art. <laughs> Um, because I don't think you needed to go to fine art college to do that because I hate most contemporary art. Yeah, but but you know, I like I'm supposed to understand it, uh, and I do, and I still <laughs> think they're just taking the piss. Um, yeah, exactly. It's a lot of it. Yeah, but, uh, but 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 still, there's there's stuff I saw that I never would have looked at otherwise. So I, I feel like that you know, like I was saying, I, I well, I was concerned. I I felt that maybe I'd wasted my time in art college. Now I can say that it did me the world of good. But um, I would say I'm more in. It, it's not really um, it's it's finding inspiration. Um, and I find inspiration in in a lot of in TV shows, movies, music, something that kind of gets me wanting to make something. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, uh, it can be. Qu- I guess I guess the trap is when you know what you like to look at, sometimes you only look at that. Ah, uh, dude, that kills me constantly. Like I find myself just getting trapped in this like uh there's some kind of turn for it over it's kind of an Oroboros of entertainment where like you know you're just constantly like eating the same thing over and over again and not ever looking at anything else. So Oh well that that, that is very much me. I, you know, I love vanilla ice cream every time, thank you. <laughs> I, thought that's, I thought that's all you get there. It's pretty much it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> average, please. Um, no, no, no. Uh, uh, they, actually, they, they, my, my girlfriend made a good point recently because uh, I, I like drama movies a lot. I like movies that are like miserable and stuff that makes me very upset because uh, it, you know, it's so it kind of, uh, you know, gets me very inspired. But uh, she made a good point of like, uh, if you're only looking at, if you're only looking at what you like, then you're not going to see anything new or interesting. And uh, it's it's a good point. And unfortunately, when you're drawing comics and you're you're doing it all day every day, and some people don't even have the time to read comics. Um, uh, even when you do, like it's 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 tough to stop and go. Well, I should look at something different, or I should look at something that's going to make me angry, or something that's going to challenge me. It's it's tough. You, I think you actually have to make the mental, uh, the mental um, word I can't think of uh, push to to force yourself to look at stuff you don't like, or not even that you don't like, just stuff you don't know that you're not familiar with. But uh, the challenge I, I, yeah, your, your yeah I've just say I'm, I'm probably I'm probably failing at that. But my excuse is I'm very busy right now. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's uh, to get back to something that you were talking about, Josh. I I'm the same way. I find narrative and everything. I think every, uh, I think that because life is so random and so hard to parse and fathom sometimes with the things that happen, um, I think that's our where you know it's that human experience of you have to find you try to find a narrative, you try to make a story out of it to make it make sense, so that you don't just aren't aren't crushed by the daily weight of things, you know. Yeah. Um, at least for me, anyways. And so, like, like I find there, I if I don't find narrative in something, I fucking make it up. Like, I'm I'm that guy that like when I was working in warehouses after high school 
right? Even fucking in high school, like I'm sitting there, like I'm not, I'm not really daydreaming. I'm having conversations, like you know, crazy person conversations in my head, where it's like I'm totally, you know, it's like you make up a situation between two people to explain where they are now, you know, and like I kind of, and, and even if I'm not doing that, like it's, I'm still kind of. I'm fascinated by, uh, you know, listening to people talk about their, their lives and their jobs and, you know, their stuff. Like, I don't want kids and I don't have kids, but I listen to people talk about their kids with utter fascination because, A, it's foreign, and B, I'm creating a narrative to explain my thing about that. You know what I mean? So I realize that's not an example, but, like, that's just, like, kind of what I do and how that kind of informs a lot of my personal storytelling choices mm-hmm. in that I think everything try to find, I, that's why I, I think comics are kind of perfect because you're, you know, you're, you're constant, like, especially long form, like big two comics. Like I find them fascinating because there is that thread of narrative there. That's kind of lifelike, but yet has, I don't know. I mean, rambling and not uh, finishing my thoughts here, but I basically, yeah, I, I do look for and find and think that there is some sort of meta narrative and everything. And, and that does constantly infuse my daily like my work and my daily like kind of how i go about things so yeah well let me ask you this and 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 declan you said to me earlier something about you know you you would like to write stories as well as draw them and do that now i'm curious at at the point where you know you guys are both primarily known as artists i guess uh right now but you know is that is that a conscious decision that's a thing that you're that you're just drawing it or that's what you ended up doing or like do you do you want to write more? Do you want to control the whole thing? Do you like the collaborative? I'm I'm curious coming at it from that standpoint. Um, well, well, the collaborative thing. I mean, you know, like when you're doing monthly comics, there's only a certain element of collaboration. You know, yeah. Um, uh, gen- generally, like I'm if I'm given a script, I I draw the script, and if there's something I can. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't really try and um, get very heavy-handed with, like, my storytelling take. It's just there'll be a way in which I like to tell a story, and if the writer's fine with that, which they, they always have been, um, that that's fine. The collaboration is... The, the extent of my collaboration is generally me asking so asking the writer, is it, is it okay if I do this? And them saying yes. Um, so, I, you know, it's not like I'm helping them craft the story or, or, or uh, work and, you know, create a backstory or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the urge... Like I, 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 there is something I want to do that I would like to write myself, but I have zero confidence doing it because, at least with drawing, I've been doing it long enough, and you know enough people have paid me for me to feel confident in what I'm doing or the decisions I'm making. I have zero confidence in writing because I have not. Well, just to be to be totally honest, I haven't done it. Mm-hmm. I have not properly done it, so I am not a writer. Um, and until I feel like I'm ready to do it. I, I, I won't be but um, what I would like to do it wouldn't even, I don't think it would even sell but it's you know uh, something I would like to do someday but uh, but it's been good because like you know one of my dreams was to work at Marvel and I work at Marvel now um, and I, I had this uh, um, horrible problem where once you kind of reach your goal what do you do next mm-hmm. you know um, which sounds like it's such a horrible complaint but it is very weird to work towards a, a singular goal for a long time and then achieve it which is like uh, amazing um, but wanting to write something, I think, is something that I, I is something I, I can still put on that um, pedestal of working towards something. But uh, I don't want to do, I don't want to touch it until I, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm getting the benefit of working with fantastic writers. Mm-hmm. So you know, I am hoping that I will learn something from working with all these guys and use it down the line. Have you considered, like, just on the side, doing, you know, shorts, four pages, eight pages, just just something to sort of start yeah. those muscles. 
Uh, I have, yeah, I have, but um, but it's, it's finding the time to do it, which sounds like a cop out, and, and to a degree it is, but uh, it's, it is finding the time to actually sit down and do it. I, I think uh, like last week I had like five minutes where I wasn't drawing something, and uh, um, I, I like nothing to do for five minutes, and I just sat down and started working on something. I was like, wow, I, I think the last time I had a chance to do this was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's strange, but I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm happy out sure. doing it. You know? No, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. And sometimes, you know, if if your job is making comics, it's hard to then go make comics as your leisure activity as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, um, sorry, I'm trying to just deck on some stuff that I wanted to touch on, and I just let it slip from my brain. But uh, I mean, I still want to touch on Declan. I do. I want to. Talk, I want to. Yes, Jordy, better watch out. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I actually have a uh, 90, 96 page book that I wrote and drew, and it's been done. It's been drawn for like a year that I'm just kind of sitting on. So yeah, <laughs> um, that's my kind of thing. There. It's not that I uh, I I don't know that I want to be a writer per se, as in write for other people. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of that's unappealing to me. But I do write a lot, and I write. I, I have. I mean, I literally, I keep a list of projects that I'm writing taped to my desk, and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten that are in kind of active stages of, you know, being worked on, where I just kind of basically type at them whenever I have an idea or whenever something strikes me. What does writing it mean to you? Are you writing scripts, or are you putting plots together, or what? It's, yeah, it's a very, um, I kind of have a, a, I have not been able to develop a process, but they all eventually end up as scripts. Okay. So, like, even if it's not a formal script, as in panel one, panel two, um, or it's usually because I'm, I know I'm drawing it. I rarely break it down into panels unless I know, unless I know specifically I need a page break or something. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's very screenplay-like, or even more stage play-like, mm-hmm. where it's like this is what's happening. This is, and I'll make notes to myself, like this is the setting and all that, and then it's a lot of dialogue. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I'll, and a lot of times if I write any flowery prose in the script, it's more for the benefit of anyone reading it. It's, ra- you know, rarely for myself because I usually end up doing, I mean, if I write the dialogue, I generally know what's going on. So I just have to, you know, the layouts are where it's at for me where I'm figuring out the storytelling. Um, you had a, what was your original question, though? Well, it's about sort of the, the idea of, I mean, being a being an yeah. artist as opposed to a writer. Gotcha. Yeah, um, that's what I, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is that my um, uh, my original intention when I got back into when I got back like after when I got done with being burnt out and all that stuff is that I wanted to you know I was gonna write my own write and draw my own stuff, but I was having a really hard time focusing and having a really hard time. Um, I have a hard time endings like like. I can come up with a beginning, I can come up with an ending. It's the middle tough, that's, you know, it's the middle that's hard for me to figure out. Mm-hmm. So um, it takes me a long time to write stuff. And if I were, you know, like I've got projects of those things that I said they're in active development, like probably like half of them I've been working on picking away at slowly for like five years because I don't like, I don't sit there and write daily. So it's not a muscle that I'm able to just go into. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I, I initially had not planned on working with other people and then realized that that would never get me anywhere, that I would never get anywhere because I would never put anything out. Mm-hmm. So therefore, uh, once I met, uh, once I met Dennis and realized, I was like, okay, this guy has a voice that I like, we have similar sensibilities and he, you know, he, he's listening to what I'm saying, um, to, you know, as far as ideas and, you know, collab- the nature of collaboration and stuff. So that let me know that like, you know. I could, you know, could work with other people, and then also you get paid, 
if you are an artist, whereas the writer, when you're doing creator your own stuff, you know, like as an artist, I can do sketches and make money at shows, and the writer really can't. So, yeah, <laughs> there's that aspect. But at least, I mean, the, like, what works for you is that you did find a writer you could work with. Yeah, well, and then that's the thing, though, is there's no shortage of writers out there, and that's, uh, you know, you read a lot of you read a lot of stuff trying to get to those people that you are able to collaborate with, and that's that's not to say that there's a lot of there's probably there is a lot of bad writing in that, oh, yeah. but there are a lot of people that I read or that I'm like I meet them I'm like yeah you're cool your writing's good you are on a completely different kick than I am I don't have any interest in any of this you know what I find so, interesting is uh, as uh, as much as uh, as hard as it is as it is for writers to break in. Um, coming from a guy who was like in you know smaller comics for for a long time, you know uh, a way a way in uh, my view was like you know uh, working with a with a, an established writer. Like it, it seems for a lot of artists, a way in is through writers, um, because it seems that a lot of writers uh, get frustrated with a lot of the artists they get on their books. Like maybe they don't like how their script is drawn, so they look for guys they like, and if you're one of those guys they like, they want to work with you, and they're willing to kind of put yeah. your stuff out there to the companies. But it's a very strange way, and it's really hard for writers to break in, but writers actually help artists out an awful lot. Well, it's, it's interesting yeah. because you guys are sort of the pretty handsome. girls at the bar. And yes, also handsome. No, in that, in that you know, <laughs> no, like, totally, writers yeah. have to work to to get somebody to work with them. Whether they have money or not, it's, it's about sort of making relationships and getting noticed and finding somebody who's willing to more or less donate their time. Which is a, which is a significant amount of time, you know. Where whereas an artist, your job it, it seems to be more to make sure you pick those right projects and team yourself up with the right people. And and an artist who's never done anything can, uh, you know, professionally, you know, well known, can theoretically hook up with a writer. You know, can can Robert Kirkman can find you and put you on a book, and all of a sudden you're you're a comic book artist who's known. A, a, a writer does not have that possibility. <laughs> A writer no, isn't yeah, going yeah. to just like you know, like, hey Jim Lee, you want to do my script? And he's yeah, like it isn't going to happen ever. So I, if it's a very different uh, sort of thing than I, I end up because I end up talking to writers a lot. So you know. I, I think it, I think it kind of balances out. Like I mean, it's 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 harder for writers to break in, but I think the rewards are much more in the writer's favor. I mean, mm-hmm. like you say, Robert Kirkman, and you know he worked so hard to get where he is, and you know a huge success considering you know the last few years of the walking dead and um, i think the rewards are much there for much more there for writers which probably if you think about it balances out as to why har- how how hard it is mm-hmm. to make a name for yourself as a writer i am um, i i, I talk to some guys who want to write and, and anything i sorry, anything, whatever I, I i always say to them is if you want to make your name as a writer you need uh, the best thing you could do is uh work at some job save some money and pay an artist to draw it because your only other solution is because, you know, say if you want to work for Marvel and DC, they, they won't look at your scripts. Mm-hmm. If you, you hand them a script, they won't look at it. If you hand them a comic, they'll look at it. Um, so if you want a comic, someone needs to draw it. And if someone's going to draw it, you want it to be the best representation of your work. So it could be a great script, but if someone's done a crummy job drawing it, then it's going to look bad. Um, yeah. One way to guarantee that they're going to... Oh, also, if you're doing it, like if you get a friend to do it as a favor, mm-hmm. that's never going to get drawn, you know? <laughs> because you can't you can ring them up and go, hey... I'm, I'm laughing at my own experience there, I'm sorry. No, I'm sure, I'm sure you've had it. I'm sure I'm... Like that's the reason I'm you know saying. though you gotta we're gonna talk about Robert Kirkman though it must be pointed out that his friend was Tony Moore, so who's who's that Tony Moore no, was, <laughs> I mean Tony I mean Tony Moore was the guy he went to high school with it just happened yeah. that he knew that guy that is an enormous step up 
Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, you have your uh, you have your freak collaborations yeah. that work out so well, like uh, uh, John John McRae and Gareth Dennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name's uh, I can't, I'm blanking right now, but there are guys who've who've looked out. But you know, that's that's not the, yeah, the no. norm, you know. Um, but uh, so just to finish what, what I was saying is um, that if if you get a friend to do us a favor, it'll never get done because you can't ring them up and demand your story. Because if you're not paying them, they don't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you offer to pay them money, they will treat it like a job. They will do it. You know, maybe they maybe they won't be very reliable, but at least you get it done because you're paying them, um, and you will get the best you can know. And um, because the, other, the only you also got to find somebody who is. Um, so, for example, two years ago, um, maybe if you if you approached me with a script and offered to pay me, maybe I would have done it. Mm-hmm. But um, since then, no, because I'm getting better opportunities at companies. As a writer, you need to find somebody who is good and is, is so good he'll make you look your your script look good, mm-hmm. but is not good enough to get the, to be <laughs> stolen away very quickly. You know, yeah. it's very it's very difficult. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing. I mean, to go back to uh, you know the pretty girl, pretty pretty girl at the bar analogy. You know, it's like that's the girl that everybody goes after. So, it, and that kind of plays to what Declan's saying is like, yeah, you can, you can. There's gonna be, there's gonna be those artists. So, like, you know, fuck, that's what I want to work with. They're perfect. But you know, I think a lot of guys they set their sights to a lot of writers, especially set their you know, up and coming writers. I should say, set their sights a little too high. So it's like you go to you know go go to that girl's friend, go to the the girl that everybody's not running over and hitting on all the time, and see what they have to offer, you know. And that's where you're going to find those people who are like more hungry to uh, to 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 get better and to grow and to do the you know like Declan's saying, you know, you gotta throw them some money. They're really, it's like fuck yeah, all right, I can make a living doing this, and then you know then they get a taste of that and they want to keep working and keep getting better. So whereas so sorry, Kevin. Go, go, go. No, go, go ahead. No, I, I just honestly, I, I honestly feel like if you if you put money on the table and you go like, here is X amount of money to draw my six page story or ten page story, that you will get you will get results much quicker and efficiently than if you ask them nicely and they think about it and then maybe do it because it might it'll probably take a year. I mean, it could easily take a year. And if you're trying to establish a career as a writer quickly, you need to get stuff done as as quickly as possible because once the story's done, it's not like you're going to just like. It's it's not like the words your oyster, you know. Comics they take time. It takes time for stuff to get around, for stuff to start, for people to start looking at your stuff. You you need to get it done quickly. So I don't mean to say like you know if you want to be a writer, put your money where your mouth is. I just mean for your own good, like for your own mental health. Yeah. The best thing you can do is, and I don't mean pay them a fortune. Just you know, yeah. once once you have that kind of once you have that professional um, offer, you will get a professional job. Now depending on the standard, depending on who you ask. But uh, there's nothing about pretty girls in the bar. I don't. Maybe it's me, but I think there's way more pretty girl writers than there are pretty girl artists. Sentence. That's horrible. <laughs> this, this analogy is there. Totally there are hardly gross. any women at all. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Pretty boy then. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm curious. Like, how much? Uh, I guess in the early sort of parts of your early stages of career. I mean, did you did you do a lot of spec work? I know, like, I know, Kevin. You know, you're working on an, on an image book right now, but it's with Blair yeah. Butler. It's just not a gigantic risk. It's a little bit, but because it's indie comics. Uh, no, it's, that's the thing, though, and that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a misconception a lot of people have. It, it's still a huge risk because it's comics. Right. I mean, I know, I know what Heart Number One sold, and it's not what most people think it sold, you know? So it's one of those things where there's just because Blair has whatever quantity value you want to attach to her name, does not, it doesn't mean shit as far as the sales go. Yeah. 
Um, and well, and, and I, I only bring that up because there are lots of books uh, by people that nobody knows that are that are very good that come out from Image that that nobody buys, and so all of the work. And, and I, I mean that in, it's the, no, the worst yeah, possible yeah, I'm not thing. Friends. I, and, uh, like I said, I was like, we're using the soapbox to, yeah. fire to kind of say that. Um, here's a good example. I don't know what it sold, but I know it sold a fuckload more than Heart Number One. Two guys that nobody had ever heard of before it came out was Strange Town of Luther Truck. Mm-hmm. That's a great example of two guys, you know, of two unknown quantities coming out of nowhere and just basically like, you know, I don't know how how Justin got trapped other than the story's awesome. But Trad's like 24 and fucking amazing, you know. <laughs> I don't know if so I can tell that story actually. So okay. I'm not going to. <laughs> um, well, point being, like, uh, like um, all basically, um, I have done, uh, I've done four, uh, five graphic novels worth of stuff up to this point. Mm-hmm. Gearhead, I have never seen a dime from, uh, well, other than selling the shows. Um, Lovestruck, I will probably not make much money off of. Uh, Hearts, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, and then my book that I wrote, Suicide Sisters, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I assume I won't make any money off of it. The stuff that pays me, like I, I take on, you know, quote unquote corporate gigs or I take on work for hire stuff, you know, it's like, and I find stuff that does pay me, you know, it's like I did a, a graphic novel for Kickstarter Entertainment, you know, it's like that pretty much financed me living last year. But that, what know, I was going to say, like, so how is it you're actually making your living at this point? Cause you are doing a lot of creator yeah, own yeah. stuff and things like that. Yeah. I'm trying to, I find things that, um, like like last year, uh, Kickstart basically that uh, that company doing that graphic novel financed my last year. Last uh, year, I live really cheaply. Um, and this year, uh, I did an eight-page thing for Marvel, and I did an iOS game, uh, all the art for an iPad game. Mm-hmm. And then I'm working on storyboards for Archer right now. So that's that's all stuff like the comic stuff hasn't really done much bill paying this year. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I totally lost track of. It's okay. Sorry. I, I, I keep derailing everything, and I apologize. Normally, I'm not as bad about derailing the conversations as I have been today. Listen, it's my job to keep it railed. You guys don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> so, how about that local sports team? <laughs> uh, uh, but I mean, Declan, did you that? You said that was that first story you did, and he published it. Were you doing that for spec? I mean, have you been making your living doing comic books for? Yeah. Significant uh, after, amount of time. After that, um, which was on spec, I did. Um, uh, since that got a bit of attention, there was a there was a guy in in Dublin uh, publishing his own stories as well. But he was paying. Mm-hmm. Um, he it wasn't a it wasn't a great rate, but it was enough to get by. Where I was, uh, I was, I was penciling, inking, and lettering the oh. the whole book myself. Yeah, cool. the lettering. Um, but uh, that 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 was next. Then after that, I got a graphic novel at a UK com- uh, company. I did a Frankenstein adaptation. Mm-hmm. Did you um, uh, oh yeah, that's that's been on for years. I did a Sweeney oh. Todd adaptation. That's oh, that's the one I'm thinking. Yeah, that's like four years in the making. Um, but uh, um, yeah, well, when I when I did Frankenstein, I actually did another book with that first writer, and it was because I was in between books. I didn't have any offers. I had a Sweeney Todd book coming up, and. Um, that was the one thing I wanted to. Uh, he sent me this very, 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 very funny um, parody comic, basically that just took the piss out of uh, all types of comics. I had to go with the boys. I had to go with Lost Girls. I just thought the script was so good that I said, "Look, I know you can't pay me, but I would. I want to draw it. If you are willing to pay for it to be in color, I would like to color it too, and I will do it for free. But you know that it would be more expensive to print." And he was down with it, and unfortunately. Didn't do really well for him. Um, we didn't really sell that many copies. I think he wanted to pitch it to Image and stuff, mm-hmm. and and it didn't happen. I feel really bad because it was really really good. And 
um uh it's like you can download it online i'll i'll, I'll send it to you josh um uh but I, that that was something i did for free and i knew i wouldn't get any money out of it and i knew it wouldn't be a movie i knew it was just wanted to do something for the the experience of pushing myself in, into color and doing something like uh something different but after that i ended up doing sweeney todd and since then it's all been paid work mm -hmm. um i some people say you should never ever do spec work i i don't necessarily think that's true i think sometimes if you do something nice for somebody they'll do something nice for you um <laughs> if you can afford it there's nothing wrong with spending a few minutes and uh, and doing something nice as, as long as it's not costing you paying work if you've to stop paying sure. work to do it then then you know then you've got to turn somebody down i, I think i did that recently actually and um, where if they'd asked me a year ago i would have done it no problem but i just legitimately didn't have the time um and, and it's unfortunate as well because things take x amount of time and you can't draw everything you know um as as much as i'm trying <laughs> you, there's just some things you just don't have time and uh, uh what comes with like the the slog of drawing all the time is uh, is knowing where to place your hours uh, and knowing and, and trying to pick the right project, um, you know, and that's kind of clear. Sorry, yeah, like I, I, uh, I, like you know, 2006, 2007, I basically did, uh, I did Gearhead, and then I did 13 Steps, which I got a rate for 13 Steps, but it was like 500 bucks an issue for like you know each issue was like 30 pages, so I was getting like seven bucks a page, you know. <laughs> Um, so I was like, essentially, you know, I was working full time at Pizza Hut, you know, this, like, you know, I was working at a liquor store during Gearhead, which that was awesome because I drew pages on the clock and they didn't give a shit. And then, uh, then it's like in 2008, uh, I went full time freelance and just basically took on, like, and the biggest mistake that I will tell a lot of people is that they try to, they, they get, they get a taste of getting paid for their work and then they immediately start trying to, to jump ship on whatever their day job is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things I tell people is I'm like, look, I've been there. I've had to file, I filed bankruptcy and I had to basically reset my life because I made a bunch of stupid decisions starting out that I didn't, that I could have easily avoided had I just not been so eager. You know, it's like in, you know, 2008 was probably one of the worst years of like the last like five to 10 years for me because it's like, it was just, massive like did a bunch of work every job at every publisher i worked every publisher i worked for paid late if they paid at all you know so it put me into like like and i just was stubborn about going back to getting a real job or yeah. you know, real in quotes you know i was stubborn about going back, back to a day job and i put it off you know for a year which just basically fucked me for like the next three years you know and that was and it's one of those things where like if i had just been you know had a little bit of that you know before I went into that year, I could have told you that waiting would be the right decision to do. And, have, you know, but it, as soon as I got a taste of, like, you know, getting paid a little bit and having books out and all that, I just wanted to make it happen so much more sooner than I was, you know, uh, capable of doing in my actual life. And I think there's a lot of guys that make that decision and then they end up thinking that, like, comics fuck them over when really they fuck themselves over. Mm -hmm. you know? I feel so, I feel so feel so like guilty because <laughs> it just it just thing you know i keep hearing guys who got screwed over and and and, and had a, you know uh, things just didn't work out i've just been i've just been so lucky that that i when i made decisions it just worked out okay like i i i i, I was drawing comics for free and delivering coal on the side for christmas like i had a few hard years and i was starting out but once i started getting like paid regularly. I've 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 been I've been managing to get by okay since you know. Well, and I think you've the thing the thing to look at is I, you know, very knowingly made a bunch of uh, eager and not wise decisions based on you know like I said just like I said it was just simple like greed and like you know wanting to just change my station in life before 
I was capable of actually before it was reasonable time to do so. You know, whereas I think you've actually, I mean, you've made smart decisions. You know, you've worked on things that have consistently elevated where you're at. And I think I'm, I think I'm just now getting to that point. Like I think this year has been the year that I've actually started kind of doing that. Well, so, I can. I can tell you a I can tell you a, a good decision I made that that could have that was a risk. I mean, it was potentially it could have been terrible. I, I was doing a Sweeney Todd graphic novel in the UK, and uh, I was getting paid. It was a very decent rate. I had no complaints. Um, it, it was a you know good book to be on, but um, I was aware that it was a different market. It was going to be for schools. It was going to be for you know the UK um, and for kids, which is you know totally fine. But I was aware that I, the career I wanted was to be doing you know I wanted to work for Marvel and DC. I wanted to tell tell. You know, uh, growing up stories of Vertigo, I wanted to do superhero stuff at Marvel. You know, that was that was a goal. And I felt that this uh, this book was good. Uh, it wasn't going to necessarily an end there. And I got an offer from Boom Studios to do 28 Days Later. Now, that was a significant pay uh, pay cut. It was it was it was way 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 low on what I was getting. Oh, I know. I was in talks to do the book after you, so I know what the picture was. Oh right, okay. <laughs> um, but but I had what I basically what I had a decision like uh, the the publisher who I was doing Twenty Todd uh, with were were willing to kind of like slow production down so I could do Twenty Days Later if, if it came to that. But I had to make the decision: was I going to stick with a book that paid really well, um, or was I going to take a book that paid really badly? Now you could think that's a very clear decision do the book that pays well but I had to think ahead and 20 days later was going to be a book that was going to be published in America which is where American comics were and that's where people were going to see your work that's where people were going to notice you doing UK graphic novels was not going to wield ultimate um, it wasn't going to get uh, eyeballs on my work as much you know so I decided to take the risk of taking the lower paid job hoping it would lead on to something more um, um, prior uh, rewarding down the line, but you know that could have easily been just a terrible decision. You know, and um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was risky. Well, and that's the thing that, like I said, that, that you know, you, I'm not saying you know, I'm not trying to give you uh, too much credit as far as your decision making abilities. But I'm not trying. No to one likes to give me mind. too much credit, Kevin. <laughs> never, I would never do such a thing. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like uh, sometimes when you're in the storm, you just don't see it for what it really is, you know, and it takes going through those things. Like I've read, you know, I, I, I'm a student of, not a student, but I'm an ardent fan of like the late 80s, like black and white bust and all that stuff. And it's like, and I know that all this stuff that happens. I know that people get fucked over. I know they sign bad contracts. And what did I do the minute I got a chance to get into this industry? I signed bad contracts. I worked for publishing to pay. I'm like, fuck, I know all this stuff. How did I do this? And it, it, hindsight being 2020, it's that I let the, the idiot six-year-old in me who just wanted to draw comics drive things a lot more often than the, you know, 27 to 30-year-old man who had realities of paying bills, you know? Yeah. So instead of, you know, um, being smart about it and being smart about, uh, you know, like even just something as simple as doing research on the companies that are asking you to work for them, you know, it's like something I do, you know, religiously now, someone often says, hey, you know, it's like I got a thing the other day, a company being like, hey, we want you to do some gaming stuff. Uh, can you sign an NDA before we tell you anything else about it? And I'm like, I'm going to Google you and ask around because, you know, normally, whereas normally I would have been like, yeah, sure, I'm going to draw this, you know? So it's like, I don't know, like, just one of those things that, like, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like I made a lot of stupid decisions based on 
uh, eagerness and instead of out of actually trying to develop a, a, a career, I guess. I don't know, career is kind of an odd word for some people, but, you know, that's the only thing I can think of to explain it. But, well, uh, that's what it is. I mean, which sort of, I guess the, the next sort of question I would have would be along the lines of there's all sorts of things that you can do in terms of making the artwork there's lots of technical things with that but the other side of it is that you know it's a career it's a it's a business it's a you know it's a series of professional decisions and working with people and i mean what what is it you would tell i mean kevin you sort of talked about this a lot but you know what what was it you would tell you know younger artists who are who are curious about you know how the business works what what is it you would tell yourself you know working now as you know as a professional to to varying extents you know what do people know um, go ahead. Sorry, I, <laughs> I, was, I was really hoping you go first there. Um, okay, no, I go first. I mean, I, 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 I don't have pat answers, but I can easily speak from the heart about this stuff because it's something I think about a lot. Um, again, don't quit your day job. Like that's the biggest thing that I tell people. You know, it's like I, I, you know, I had a conversation with a guy who did an image book earlier this year that just wrapped up, and he emailed me right as the first issue came out, talking about, yeah, man, this is exciting. I want to quit my day job. And I'm like, don't, don't do this. And now that issue five, six, what seven, whatever, his book has come out, he's like, yeah, I'm glad I didn't quit my day job. You know. And it's like, because the book's not selling enough to make him any money, and it's not selling enough to even make any money, you know what I mean? But, so it's like, and that's the thing that like, I just stress over and over, is like, you guys have a wealth of information that I had to find in the back of like, comic scene magazines, or David Anthony Crafts comics interview, or in the comic journal, yeah, about it's, it's, how this stuff works. And, it's and it's frustrating you, that there's so much stuff like, uh, and I guess maybe that's, that's, that's tough for people to start, or you know, trying to uh, break in, is that it's so easy to talk to the creators you like and have contact with the publishers that you that you like buying material from. It's all right there, and and it just wasn't there like four years ago, you know, five years yeah, ago. Yeah. And oh, I yeah, guess I, mean, I guess the downside of that is that there's way more competition in that regard for for eyeballs. But it's just crazy how accessible things are. Well, the other side yeah. of that being though is that a lot of the people who have access to that information, a you know the comic market is shrinking a little bit there's there's not as many readers it's not as big of an audience so you can get in with have that information but you know the the rewards are slightly different and also it's very interesting to me how many people don't realize uh you know you can you can know all sorts about comics you can chat with people on twitter all day but what you may not know is that a lot of books from say image for example don't make any money you know there's only a few of them there's only a handful i'll say that are paying okay. a living wage, you know. For oh yeah, I've, I've heard. Uh, that's that's like uh, you know, creator owned is something I'd want to do, and then you keep hearing of stories about how like you know they did the book and they put in all the work and they and they, and they got no no money back. That's uh, it's tough. Well, that's, I can I can speak to that because it's like that's one of those things where like uh, I don't uh, not to speak about her experience without her being here, but that's one of the things I talked to Blair about. You know, and she she did the research. She understood. She understands that we can probably we probably won't make any money on part. And then she's like, are you okay with this? Are you gonna be like, I'm like, yeah, as long as I have something else paying me, I'm fine. Because yeah. I'm going to do, the, do these books no matter what. So for me, so it's going to be a book you want to do. Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, and that's it's kind of where I was coming from with the whole, you know, in 2008 I made this leap to try and, you know, make it before I was ready to, is I took on a lot of stuff I didn't believe in. I took on a lot of stuff that I didn't have faith in. And pretty much since 2009, 2009 and 2010, I worked basically on Love Struck and on Suicide Sisters, and then I did uh, Deadline for Pixar. 
And while Deadline is not the awesomest thing in the world, I'm really happy with my what I did on that. And so that's that, that's the thing, you know, with Lovestruck and and the car down and you know, it, it's like I made a conscious choice to be good with these things and not just take them. Like I'm not working with Blair because she's Blair. I'm working with Blair because. Heart, I think, is really fucking good. So, <laughs> you know, like her story is really good, and that's what that's what drives me and that's what motivates me. And then I'm like, I'll find a way to make the money. You know, like if it gets to a point where I gotta go back to the liquor store, that's fine. I've done that. I'll, I've been there before, drawing comics. You know, while selling out asshole liquor, selling assholes to liquor, selling liquor to assholes. Um, and I'll go back there. That's fine. I, and I made a decision on you know a while ago. I'm like, I gotta be okay with this. I have to be okay with my internal like you know bullshit punk rock ethos you know <laughs> yeah. like i gotta be okay with that being able to you know to i don't know like there's a lot i see a lot of guys that they take work from you know from marvel and dc or you know whatever that they don't like just to stay in the business you know and uh, yeah when i was in when i was in college and um, you had to go through these um uh, through these various courses, you do graphics and uh, uh, sculpture and fashion, and I ended up doing printmaking. But I tried graphics, and uh, I was really good at it, and I really hated it. It was, it was horrible. I, I absolutely despised it. And I I remember thinking, I am in art college. I want I wanted to do art. Why would I do something that is art that I hate? I, I like. You know, and, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to do graphics because I hate this. If I wanted to do something I would, I hated, I would still be delivering coal in Ennis. You know, like, yes. why? if this is something you want to do, it should be something that you enjoy and something that you're working towards, something that you want to do. If you don't want to take a job, there's you can take other jobs that will not pay, that will pay better that are not comics. So if you're going to do a job you don't want to do, don't do a comics job you don't want to do. It's not worth it, you know? Um, thankfully, I've been lucky that, like, I, I could say probably 95% of everything I've drawn I have enjoyed or have been interested in, you know? Yeah. Uh, but again, I that's... Wish, I wish my ratio was that high at this point, and, I, you know, I'm kind of in the case of that, you know? It's like, but I think it's one things where, like, as the next year rolls on, the stuff that I don't like that I've done in my career will be end up being that smaller ratio. Um, you know, and that's the thing is like, you know, it's like when I talk about like taking on stuff like, uh, like doing, like I'm working on fucking Archer, like my favorite TV show doing a story. Yeah, that's like, totally they can fire me tomorrow and I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. This was awesome. <laughs> you know, like, like it's hard work. Like Storyboards is like a little bit tougher than comics as far as for my skill set. But I enjoyed it, you know. It's one of those things where it's like same thing with doing like uh, I did all the game art for an iPad, an iPad, iPhone game, you know. It's like it was totally not comics related, but I it was and it was like twenty hour days for two months straight, seven days a week, and I'm like, but this is fucking fun. This is awesome. I wouldn't trade this. And, 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 I bet it's funding you better than another uh, another uh, creator on comic and image. Yeah, yeah. And like I'm like I'm doing hard, and uh, you know, it's like. Like, you know, I'm, if, if the book makes money, that's awesome. If it doesn't, and I'm getting ready to steamroll and right after I finish hard, I'm, you know, doing a project with Steve Niles that'll, uh, that, you know, that'll be an image. So it's like, I'll go right back into, you know, it's like, as long as I, like I said, as long as I keep finding stuff, like I, I'm probably a moron, but as long as I keep finding stuff, other stuff that pays me, then I'll keep doing this stuff, you know? And if, you know, it's like, obviously I did the eight page thing for Marvel, so I'm, I'm okay with them coming to me wanting to pay me to do more stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, we are, we're all watching Marvel and DC, you know, uh, struggle to make, to make this industry work. So me being a uh, low man on the totem pole, I don't expect them to come running anytime soon. Being like, how do we want to be in the Kevin Mellon business? And I'm like, no, I'm you don't. I'm surprised they keep giving me scripts, to be honest. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and now that's some, that's something that if both of you uh, are obviously have to be aware of is that there is definitely a. Uh, they're both sort of pulling back a little bit. I feel like you know they're yeah. if if they were a phalanx of soldiers, all the shields would get a lot closer, and the little ball would get smaller. They're definitely pulling in the reins. I mean, is is that something that that you guys are thinking of and and, and aware of? Because the thing about the thing about comics is, you know. It's not a whole lot else to do. There's only a couple of shows in town that you can make a living from. Declan, you'd mentioned, you know, there's original graphic novels in the UK. I don't even think that exists to any large extent in the US. In the, in the, well, in the, it does in the same market that Declan was working for in the education market because mm-hmm. there are there are I've been told about because I've had people being like, hey, you know, I want to come to you with this in the future. Are you going to be available? And I'm like, I don't know. And then they tell me what it is, and it's these whole like you know education shit. It's like educational graphic novels that are bought and distributed or sold to schools and stuff. So you can do that, but it's one of those things where it's like, do you want to sit there and illustrate tech manuals essentially? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's I, I enjoyed it, and it was it was good to do, uh, and it certainly uh, um, I it helped me iron out a lot of kinks that I was doing. But uh, they're they're not necessarily the stories I want to tell. You know. Um, the stories I'm doing now, I I, I enjoy. Sure, sure like the, with you know uh, Marvel and DCM, it's sure it can be a little concerning when you're cancelling books and stuff. But I don't know, man. I I personally think comics are are better now than they've ever been. I think that the writing is way better oh, than it's been. Yeah, yeah. The I, I mean, there's so many different types of amazing artwork that's been published in mainstream, like Marvel, mm-hmm. pub, they publish work by Roland Bushy, by Goran Parlov, by fantastic artists, like yeah. all diff- various yeah. different styles. That That's what gives me, you know, hope. That's why I feel like I'm very lucky that I'm doing stuff for Marvel because, um, you know, a few years ago, somebody would have said that doesn't look like superhero superhero art. Um, there's, there's not much you can really do about it. You know, all, all I can do is really just try, take the opportunities I have and try and do good work and yeah. hope that, if you do good work, that people will recognize it and hire you to do more good work. If if you if you keep doing projects you're not interested in, I, I don't see why anybody would want to hire you for projects you would be interested in because you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know is exactly, this- and, and that was the problem. The problem I encountered is that I was doing things I wasn't interested in, and the work and it showed the work. You know, it's like there's something you know, they're readable, but it's like you know it's stuff that I don't really promote to people that I did because it's like you know I can't I can't back this up. <laughs> you know, no, but you, should, think, you shouldn't be doing those books. I mean, I'm not scolding you for doing it, but you know what I mean. No, well, uh, I shouldn't. Have. I totally shouldn't. Have. It was, it was more on. It was like I said. It was that whole thing about you know getting, getting that you know that first year, year and a half of like you know doing books and having them come out and going to shows and having people you know be well receiving of those books, you know, and just getting greedy, you know. And, and I think that I see. Maybe this is just me. Maybe I see it because I went through it, but I see that a lot. I see a lot of guys get. I see a lot of people get get greedy for more, and then they, you know, they they aren't that one, and they aren't smart about their decision making processes. So you know, I think that uh, you know, just even if it's you know stepping back and you know um, just evaluating, like doing like a like I think like my friends uh, uh, what friends acquaintance Matt and Kelly Sue like you know fraction of the comic they have a really neat system of like I think it's one every six months. They just kind of evaluate where they're at. They do like a life goal kind of thing. And like I'm not that, I'm not that organized, but I really admire that because I'm like, yeah, I could benefit from something like that. And I, I don't think that's a bad way. I wouldn't, to kind I wouldn't of... necessarily I wouldn't necessarily applaud them for that because I do that too. And I, I don't think it's it's because uh, it's because I'm very smart. It's because I'm very nervous and uh, I over. Yeah. Like I just had a friend over here, and I was just like humming and hawing about where I am and what I'm doing and what I want to do. 
I think it's I think it is important to think ahead. Um, uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, um, who's who's in the industry, he told me once that it's good to think five years ahead. Um, like have a goal for five years because it's far enough away for you to come up with something crazy, um, and it's long enough for you to actually achieve it. And, yeah, you know, in exactly. two years, if you're nowhere near there, then re reevaluate what you want. Um, I, I I was in New York, and I, he said, "Where would you want to be in?" In a year, and I said, if um, if maybe I had possibly some Marvel work, uh, I thought I thought, I thought I thought if I went from Boom to IDW to Dark Horse, then maybe to the big two. I, that was a practical way in which I thought I could build my career. And then a week later, I got a call from Marvel, so that totally blew my you know five year plan out the window by moving it forward. But at least I had some kind of something to work towards because if you don't have direct. You're gonna aim. You're just gonna end up on whatever whatever book you feel like. Or sorry, not 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 whatever book you feel like. Whatever book somebody feels like offering you, and you yeah. don't want to be the person who has to take the work that's offered to you. You want to be the person. It's like you know who'd be great for this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Evan. You know, or Josh. Yeah. Josh. What an interesting take on this, Josh. Not we need this draw. We need this written in two weeks. Get Josh to do it. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> And yeah, and that's the, and that's the thing is I you know I was that guy for a, a short time and I, you know it's, it's it's a tough hole to get out of because then you get pigeonholed into yeah he's great in a pinch he can do those twenty two pages in like a, you know two weeks yeah, but you that guy because then you will never get the projects you like you exactly yeah, yeah. The and then well then all you have is you just have shit work out there you just have work that, like you know yeah you got it done you got it done on time and you got paid for it but you know yeah. then it's just you're, shit it's not you have you, know. you have paid you have work that was paid that was rushed that you're not happy with that you don't want to yeah. show anybody so all you basically got, got was a lump sum of money to to work hard you've nothing to show yeah. for that and again not to go on about how lucky I am but at least I was on projects I was interested in. I put in the time. I tried to make them look as good, even though the money wasn't great. I tried to make them look the best I could, and hope that somebody would look at the the quality for what it was. Um, now I'll never know why things worked out for me because those things are always um, you know outside of your control. But but again, I I had something to work towards. Um, it doesn't mean it was right, but at least you had I had some kind of focus. And I didn't just yeah. end up taking jobs, you know. Like you know, the first thing it's, I think I think you know your career is going well when you say no to jobs. Yeah, yeah. I think that, yeah. you know because because you're too because normally you're too scared to say no. So you're like, yeah, yeah. sure, I'll do it. Um, but then when you, you realize that you can't do it, there's not enough time. It's not it's it's not something you want to work on. That's when <laughs> I think your career hits another level. Yeah, um, um, and just to, sorry, just real quick, just to touch on. I like I think the the the, the life goal evaluation thing. Um, it's something that, uh, like, I'll write down stuff that I, or maybe I'll make a list of things that I want to do, but it's always, it's always up for renegotiation, it's always up for change, and it's always up for, you know, it's more of a, it's more of a, these are, these are things that, you know, it's more of a, um, if you, uh, there's something, I can't remember what it's called, there's a term for it or something where it's like, you know, if you write it down, it helps you make it more real and helps you actualize it more. It's, you know, bullshitty self-help stuff, I don't know, whatever. But anyways, uh, I, I think that actually seeing those things on paper and making those and seeing and looking helps you evaluate the realistic uh, value of those things and then you're able to maybe at least, if only internally, even if it's just five minutes that you write these things down and then you internalize them, you can prioritize and then actually, you know, it's like your goal of wanting to work for Marvel, you know, that's an, an attainable thing. So you set your mind to that, and then whether it's conscious or subconscious, you still make decisions with that in mind. 
So yeah. I think that's I think that's the important thing to to kind of take away from any sort of that stuff. Because regardless, you know, you don't have to write anything down, even if it's just simple, like you know, like my thing of like I want to do things that I own and that I'm proud of. You know, so yeah. therefore I'm going to and I made a lot of decisions that took me away from that. So now I'm making decisions that get me back to that. And then everything else kind of works towards building that up. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. I guess uh, yeah. uh, the the sort of last question I guess I'll, I'll, I'll have here. And listen, I think we all know we could go on with this forever, but it's very late when Declan <laughs> lives. And, uh, you know. Uh, and then I'd be, up to, I'd be up this later on anyway. Yeah, that's fine. As I say, Jordy's back there going, get off the fucking that's the thing about these conversations is that they really they can they could go on endlessly because there's so many a, a, aspects to it and for some reason the the comic book industry is is fascinating uh, and yeah. the people who, well, who work in it you know I'll be honest and say I don't think I've done anything I've said any of the subjects I've spoken on justice so yeah there's definitely like I mean you know you can we can sit here and we can minutiae and you know talk about the differences between you know where I'm where my head's at where Declan's head's at and still. You know, uh, I can tell you what my head is. It's right up my own arse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, mine is too. Obviously, I'm. You know. You know. So yeah, it's just fortunate that we don't have the same app. So. <laughs> uh, thank God. Uh, I want. I want. To, I want to take it back down to a, to a sort of, uh, I guess, a, a technical level, and uh, because people are going to be listening to this who who uh, who want to make careers or want to make comics and things like that. What is a what is a technical piece of comic book making advice uh, that that you wish you had known uh, when you started? Just something that you do now as a matter of course that you look at your old work and you're like, why hadn't I done that? You know, why something, just something, some really important lesson that you learned about making comic book pages. And um, I'll say that first. Um, you actually did ask me what I would say to um, somebody starting out, and I um, I would probably ask them questions first I, I would probably try ask them what they want to do mm-hmm. and what see what they are doing and then maybe try and figure out if, if is it is what they're doing helping to get them to where what they want to do or, or if, if they need to rethink their um, approach as regards something technical and um, i think um stepping back from the work and looking at it soberly is probably the hardest thing to do and when a lot of a lot of guys are starting out they um refine their like like i i think i i started inking more um experimenting more of my inks and i was able able to cover up a lot of my bad drawing but now i feel that my drawing has gotten better and it's matched up with that and i see a lot of guys who are working digitally now who can't draw very well but they're able to cover it up they're able to cover it up because of the 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 technical process i think that uh, i would I very much insist that um, people kind of you get get better practically before you start using those tools because tools can be shortcuts. Um, I would say to people to I would, I would suggest that you avoid shortcuts at all costs because they breed complacency. Um, and this is just my opinion, because um, I see a lot of times that people just because when you're working all day, all night, and you and you know it, it takes so long, shortcuts help the day uh, go by a bit easier, which is great. But once you kind of start relying on those shortcuts, you 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 get lazy, and you start relying on them. And and you, I, I can always see it in somebody's work when they're doing it. What's an example of a shortcut? I'm not asking you to name a name or anything, but oh, the um, thing that you see on a page. 
Um, um, uh, repeat panels. Um, they're, they're a very obvious shortcut. You see it all the time. Um, I, I, I've done them. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I do them because if you try to redraw um, a background, it'll never be the same. Um, and sometimes the difference in the drawing can be distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but if I can draw, if I can repeat a background that isn't going to be distracting, I'll do it because it forces you to just think about what you're doing again. You know. Um, uh, but of course, sometimes you you need to take that shortcut. Another shortcut is um, oh, what's what's another shortcut that um I I, I always kind of pops out of me. Um, the biggest uh, this is just oh, sorry, sorry 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 Kevin, just while it's in my head, is uh, is is covering bad drawing with uh, effects um with <laughs> the, with 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 black, which is what I, I did. I, I only <laughs> do it all the time. Um, uh, no backgrounds, uh, stuff stuff like that. Is mm-hmm. is there's Maybe readers can't see it. I think readers can see no background sometimes, and uh, oh yeah, I actually like having no backgrounds in some panels because they they, they free up the storytelling. Um, it can be used as a tool, or it can be used as a cop out. I mean, I think yeah, that's... you know, and and, and cop outs, cop outs. I think I think that's it. it. There's it's a cop out because you could do better, but you're not, and you're not going to do better unless you try harder. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Declan, you know, I mean, Declan just covered most of the stuff that I would say. But the, the thing I would add on to is uh, really look at um, shot choices because there are a lot of guys. I think that shot choices, like as far as panels, like and panel compositions, can become just as um, stylistically monotonous as just drawing the same face over and over. Whereas you get a lot of guys who are just doing like you know two two shot medium shots, you know, where it's like you know always the same thing over and over. They never vary their camera. They never you know. It's like they don't see, they don't stage the scene in their mind and then move the camera around to find a different angle that can convey that storytelling or that world, you know, better. And, I, I, maybe, and maybe it's just me, maybe that's the way my mind thinks, but I just see a lot of boring, uh, not boring, um, just monotonous storytelling. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, and and it's, it's, like I said, I'm totally willing to admit that could just be my pet peeve, but, you know. Oh, and another thing is, uh, is, is, is reference. Um, uh, please, please, God, please, please, <laughs> everybody, stop taking a photo and turning it into a l- line in, in, in Photoshop. It's, <laughs> see it. I'm, I plenty of professional artists do it, and I hate it when they do it too. I would prefer see a bad drawing than a photo. It yeah, just takes, it takes me right out of the story. Mm. Like yeah, guys, yeah. guys, like say Sean Phillips will used to take a photo and they will ink on top of it, and it still looks like a drawing. You know, there's there's that, but. Anytime you just take something, I, th- I think there like, Pardon? Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I think there were like I think I think that did like digital technology has helped artists so much in so many ways, but it's, it's made it so much easier to, uh, you know, come up with three D backgrounds, which is which is a great tool. But you know what? If you're thirteen years old, you shouldn't be using digital tools. You should be figuring out how to draw it. You know, because that is how you will learn. And I think it, you're gonna. I think we're gonna find in a few years that a lot of guys just can't draw basic things because they've they've used that digital tool over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. and then you see them draw in a sketchbook at a convention, and they can't because they don't have they don't have all those tools. Um, also, knowing when, wh- also using reference to inform your drawing rather than um, dictate it. Mm-hmm. Like um, yeah, say with um, when I'm doing layouts, sometimes I will take reference if I'm having trouble working out a layout. Generally, I won't take any reference until I've got my layouts done because at least my layouts have all the cartooning and drawing and energy. And then you're taking a reference shot to inform that drawing. If you take a reference shot and you just copy the drawing, it's, it's going to stiffen up the page. Mm-hmm. 
so bad. Uh, it's, I, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Don't <laughs> use the first result from a Google image search. That's just one free from me. Whenever you Google image search something and it's the first one that comes up, I've heard a lot of artists say, like, they always, I know that one. That's the first one that comes up every time. you got to go further down the page. This one just yeah. never, it actually never happened to me, but I, I've heard of it. Like, I've never actually spotted it myself, Um, I decided that uh, I decided. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say real quick. Uh, the thing is, is, like, I totally, like, I'll tell people, I'm like, yeah, fucking, like, I use, I'll use SketchUp like a motherfucker. If I need to, I'll use it. But what I do is I draw over that shit. Like, I either, if I don't redraw it in pencil, I'll redraw it in ink. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, like, I, it's, it's, on heart, I don't have no use to use it, but like, uh, there's times where it's like, if I'm doing a car chase and there's a fucking SketchUp model of those cars, I'll throw them in and then fucking redraw them and then draw over them in ink or draw, you know, redraw the bits there. Because that's the problem. The problem with reference is it's never actually right. So it's like using those photos, like using either straight up tracing photos or straight up checking like, you know, SketchUp models and stuff like that. They're never completely accurate to A, how you draw and B, you know, the perspective in a photo is not accurate to real life. The perspective in a SketchUp model is not accurate to real life. They're, they're, they're mechanical representations of these things, you know, yeah, so it's like if you don't, if so you don't correct, if you don't correct that stuff, at least know you have a drawing skill of a level enough to know what's wrong and to be able to fix that. You end up with a lot of shit that's just. I see a lot. I see a lot of stuff where it's like God, these guys are just straight up like they're straight. They're not fixing the the SketchUp. They're not fixing you know. <laughs> but what they're doing is they're they're taking a drawing. Sorry, they're taking a photograph or a model and they're pasting it into a drawn environment, which clashes. Yeah. You know, yeah. unless th- th- like uh, if you take if I took a uh, if I took a photo of my hand in front of my face, right, you know, with a hand right up against the camera, the yeah. foreshortening is wet. Like if you if you just drew that into a comic panel, it would look terrible. It's like, wrong. Yeah. Photos it's, it's, do it's not, not make good drawings. You know, I like there are there are photos that are bad drawings and there are bad drawings that would not be good photos. It just they clash and you need to learn how and where to kind of twist things to make it into a good drawing. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's the thing. You know, it's like I, I, you know, it's like a, it took me a while to get over like any sort of doing a book with like a book, like a, the book I, I wrote in Drew's Suicide Sisters is basically a ton of motorcycles and semi trucks just on highways. So it's like while I learned the ins and outs of drawing those things, I said fuck it. I started dropping in SketchUp models to make my life easier, and then I went in and was like, okay, these models are wrong, and then I re I redrew the shit, but I saved myself like an hour of drawing the motorcycle from scratch by having that structure there. And then fixing, like keeping motorcycle reference next to me, and being like, okay, this is where this is wrong, this is where this is wrong, and this, this like, and this is like little shit, like with SketchUp stuff, like the wheels are always wrong, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the wheels on cars and motorcycles and stuff, like that's what kills me. About a lot of dudes, like just straight up tracing the stuff and not changing it and not fixing it, is like, oh, the wheels are fucking terrible. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's these, okay. these, perfect, these perfect objects. No, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I totally agree with there. And and I should, uh, as a disclaimer, say this is what I would say to somebody if they asked my opinion. It is just my opinion, and you know, it may, it's just how I see things. You know, that's um, exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not an absolute, but if you ask me, I will. That's what I'll tell you. Uh, and, I, and I don't use. I, if you ask me that question, this is what I would say. God, for some. <laughs> It's, and I'm not a, with heart. I have to be pretty heavily referenced on the fight scene stuff, uh, as far as like you know stuff like that. But you know, like as far as getting technical movements and stuff like that down. But there's no like I'm not using it's like a, you know I'm not I'm not even doing perspective grids other than like my freehand grids. Like I'm, everything's freehand. Like every you know other than like 
I gather a file of, you know, of reference and dump it all in, open it up on the desktop, and then mentally compile shit. Like, okay, that's how that arm would go, but then I have to move the camera and then redraw that pose from a different camera angle. So I'm not even using the reference as I find it. It's more of a, you know, I, I don't know. I adapt to the needs of the book rather than developing a way to use it and then sticking to that. The reference becomes a tool of the book and not a tool of, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I do have one more question. This could be the last one that I ask, but this is vaguely selfish and also for people listening. Um, you said that like two hours ago. Jeez. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, 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 what, what would you say to writers who are uh, writing for other artists? Things that something that something that they need to know about working with artists. Something that that they should be paying attention to. Stuff that maybe a lot of guys, even pros, don't don't seem to get. Uh, What's just like a, a little a little thing that, that writers uh, could do better when working with artists? Um, I, I, I actually feel a bit uh, uh, spoiled because um, I'm working with Jeff Parker. And He's very Brian good. At the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jeff is very, very good. And, and both, because um, uh, I've worked with on scripts that are not as, as good, and um, both of them have a very clear sense of what fits on a page and what doesn't fit on a page. And uh, what both of them are artists. I think that's exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, and that helps so much because um, that, which is why I, I rarely ever like uh, stray from a script because they've taken the time to like they didn't just write down to happens on this page happens on this page they've taken the time to figure out what's going to work on a page how much will fit in a page and what uh, um, they've got they've worked out a lot of variables you can tell when you're reading the scripts because they they very naturally flow onto a, a layout for me. I don't have to fight them like I've had to fight other scripts. Um, so I'm very lucky in that regard. One thing, a writer once gave me a script where they had page one, uh, five panels on the top of it. And that saved me so much time when I was doing layouts because I didn't have to go through the page working out a panel, then the next panel, the next panel, only to find out there's another five panels. I might have thought of a great panel, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work because there's actually four more I need to go on that page. But when somebody wrote how many panels were on the page after the uh, uh, the page number, I found that my brain was able to just like um, fit each panel onto a page much easier. And it's, it's only person, and it was a, it was somebody who was just trying out a pitch. They, um, it's never happened to me, never happened to me before, never happened to me since. But whenever I get scripts, I'll, I'll generally write how many panels it is on the script. So I always know. It also stops me from missing a panel too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's something. Well, and then the, uh, uh, I, this doesn't change no matter what level you're writing at. But writers will always fuck up page numbering and panel numbering sometimes. Like, they're, invariably, you're going to get like a, a script that's labeled as 22 pages, but there's two page 12s. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it happens. I mean, it just happens. So going yeah. through and double checking myself for that, I used to hate. When they would when they uh, when I would get a script and it would tell me like at the top how many panels there were and all this and all that and, and oh really did I'm, you did you hate that I did and I like it now because I'm less full of myself so I mean I'm still you know really stupid but I'm less egotistical about that stuff I used to think that it hampered my ability to you know envision the page and all this other wacky bullshit that is actually not true at all. I actually don't like in gen like in general. I think writers have so much power. Like, I mean, they really do decide everything they visual that happens. It's it's very strange that the the, the people who are responsible for the visuals, i.e., the artists, have don't really have the, a lot of input as regards the visuals of the story because you're getting a script. Yeah. 
and they've put in the visuals, you have to draw them. So it's actually very quite strange in that regard. But again, yeah. Yeah, I'm lucky that we're well, Sorry. So, so, no, sorry. Um, I, so that's why I'm glad I'm working with writers because they can appreciate that some, uh, because the ones I work with are, are writers also. Um, I think uh, in a lot of cases as well, um, uh, pacing, I think, is very uh, important. And a lot, you know, some newbie writers aren't aware of what will go onto a page, uh, how many panels, working out a good rhythm, th- things like that. Um, but th- that's that's trial and error. That's Stuff that's like a that. learned experience thing. I think. Yeah. Well, and that's something that uh, one of the like I don't, I don't know who you know. It's been one of those tried and true techniques for a long time. But one of the best examples I see, you know, writers, you know, learn to do eventually is to actually map out, like write down, like maybe even like when you're starting out, like make a flip book and then write down what happens on each page and then actually flip through and see, like even if it's just words, it doesn't have to do, you know, you're not drawing anything and actually see that, hey, like, oh shit, there's way too much on this. Oh, this is, this should be a page turn, you know, and, and that's stuff that I like to figure out, but when I'm getting paid to do a job, like I, I don't always have that luxury of doing that, so it's more... It's not just a time saver. It saves your men, your 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 brain because doing layouts is ultimately the most rewarding part, but it's the most stressful. Yeah. When I'm doing layouts, I to my government like just to not talk to me because I your brain is just like yeah. trying to fit, fit that puzzle together. And anyway, yeah. help the artist with that, where it's not going to you know mess up their brain. That it, it it just helps so much not necessarily time but just in mental energy mm-hmm. yeah i i i, told, I mean total agreement with the one thing that i mean this is and this is a personal pet peeve is i don't like you know medium shot on or like long shot wide shot like i'll figure that stuff out like it's more yeah some, more, sometimes sometimes I'm like <laughs> i'll deliver this baby you know like when you're reading yeah, script, yeah. like, like ah, that, that's you know that should it's very rare it happens but now and then it's, it's like they're they're describing a specific angle that it doesn't need to to be that um and and it's more of a pain to do that. It doesn't make the story any better. I think maybe just sometimes writers want to um, to direct it a little bit more when they already right, direct yeah. so much of it. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Yeah, they already have. You know, it's like you're already not uh, contributing to the plot or the you know the storytelling and all that stuff. You know, on on at least on work for hire stuff. So the the least like my kind of thing is like the least I can do is actually uh, control the the composition of the page. You can give me. You know, it has to be these elements, and they have to eventually arrive at this. Uh, but I would prefer, you know, if I'm, if you know, if you're hiring me, you're hiring me because you trust me to tell the story in an yeah. interesting and in a visually interesting and engaging manner. So part of that, and, and for me personally, like you said, Declan, the layouts are where it's where the thoughts at. It's also where the fun's at. Like figuring out, figuring out that storytelling. That like you get handed a problem, uh, it's broken in a sense, and you have to fix it, you know, and like, I kind of look at my, my stages of working is like, I get into the script, I have to make it, make, I have to uh, fix this thing visually, and then I, uh, when I do the pencils, I have essentially broken the layout, <laughs> and then I fix that with the inks, you know, like, so it's kind of, a, for me, it's a stage of creating a problem, fixing it, which creates new problems, and then fixing that, <laughs> so, so, Cool. Uh, that, guys, is all I have. Uh, Did you get to ask the question you thought of on Twitter? Oh, geez, now I don't remember what that was. That's how late it is now. <laughs> what were we talking about as long as we're here? 
Wait. So, so um, you, you and I were on Twitter, and I said something. Oh, um, you summarized uh, Northlanders in a, a tweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that was basically too, actually. that was that was very similar to uh, to what we were just talking about. Actually, was the, oh. the scripting bit and sort of how how detailed you want scripts, and and I think that we just talked about that. So, yeah. yeah. I, well, I, and, and that's something I will say just uh, as quickly, briefly as I can. The detail needed in a script varies from person to person, mm-hmm. because I personally like my personal preference. If I had my druthers when working with writers, they would sit there and at the top of the page they would say these two characters, this is where they're at, and then just dialogue, and then I'll, I figure out the rest. I mean, I'm not. That's going much to get easier. That. I would totally do that. Yeah, right. But a lot of writers don't want to do that. They yeah. they feel like that's you know uh, you know uh, uh, rightly so. They feel like that's encroaching on their territory, and they feel like they're giving up a level of control that a lot of people don't want to give up. And I totally understand that. I used to not get it, but I totally get it. I feel now. I feel like that's um, something that comes along. Like I feel like you could do that the more you've worked with somebody. I mean, if you're only exactly. working with somebody and the and first time, I think that yeah, and I think especially if it's a new artist. Well, and especially, I mean, you know, there are a lot of guys, you know, uh, I think the biggest thing I see, and this is this happens in pro scripts too, is there are a lot of guys who just get a lot of exposition that is never going to be on the page. It's like they get too prosy with their, their panel descriptions and stuff, or, you know, there's just too much information. It's like, uh, no one's ever going to see this aside from me, so unless you're just talking to me, it's not really necessary. Oh, sometimes you know? they try to make the artist laugh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff's scripts are uh, extremely entertaining. I actually kind of wish they'd published them in the back of the the Thunderbolts trades because he'll he'll write things to me that keep me entertained. Um, like the the point one Thunderbolts issue. Um, I I've had, because of my accent, I end up saying Thunderbolts a lot, and he called it Thunderbolts issue one six three point one. Like uh, there's 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 all these gags in there that keep me entertained. I'm kind of like I kind of feel like it's a waste of his writing to just write it to me. It's like, this stuff should be in the comics somehow, like, you know? <laughs> that's how it and, works. That's, and that's great, yeah, and that's totally, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm more talking about stuff like, you know, like, this, I have yet to see this, but more like, you know, it was dark and stormy night, you know, like, you know, like, or like, uh, he he looks hesitant and reticent about the things he is about to say. It's like, all you gotta say is, like, hesitantly, and I get it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. You're like, yeah, sad, done. <laughs> yep, yeah, and I, that's, I don't know, maybe that's just me being overly simplistic. Listen, and being it's, like, it's the comic writer who who really didn't get the prose book he wanted, and so he's <laughs> gotta put it somewhere. It's gotta come out, man. There are those guys. I've met those guys, and they're really nice guys. But yeah, there's some, some people you meet, and you're like, ah, I think your novel career could go really well. <laughs> <laughs> So. All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, uh, I will put in in the post. You will be able to see uh, your websites and your Twitter and, and all that stuff for people to follow you. And uh, I, I expect you'll you'll get follow ups and questions about this. And uh, thank you very much, guys. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I hope we all got something out of it. Thanks, thanks for having me, man. Thank you very much, sir. I want to thank the guys again for taking all that time to talk with us. It's very late in Ireland, and. Uh, it's also a little bit late in Kansas City. But either way, uh, thanks to Declan and Kevin. I hope that uh, the listeners got something out of that. The last podcast we did about making comics got a very good response, and I hope that uh, we can help even more people out this way. To talk about this show, go to ifanboy.com. You can comment on this podcast. You can look at all the other stuff that's going on there. And uh, from time to time, you will find more information on uh, making comics and, and trying to break in and, and do all that stuff. And uh, thanks very much, and good luck.